Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, I'm Luke Charles, and you're listening to a day of prayer's morning Bible study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get into the word, promise, can you open us up in prayer? Yes. <clears throat> Lord, just thank you for taking all authority in your hand and allowing nothing to get over it or go around what you've already put in place. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, welcome. And for those that are listening, we are... Again, joined by our loved brother mm-hmm. in the Lord, Dean. So, Dean, thank you for coming to be a part of this. We are mm-hmm. we're blessed to have you. Thank you, as always. Huh? Like I said, I'm the one that gets blessed. So, <laughs> Well, praise the Lord. So, we are continuing our study. In, we're in Daniel chapter 8, and beginning in verse 15. Could I get a volunteer to read from 15? Through 27, please. I will. All right, Kyla. Then it happened when I, Daniel, had seen the vision and was seeking the meaning that suddenly there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Uli who called and said, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So he came near where I stood. And when he came, I was afraid and fell on my face. But he said to me, Understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end. Now as he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground, but he touched me and stood me upright, and he said, Look, I am making known to you what shall happen in the latter time of the indignation, for the appointed time the end shall be. The ram which you saw having the two horns, they are the kings of Media and Persia, and the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. The large horn that is between its eyes is the first king. As for the broken horn and the four that stood up in its place, four kingdoms shall arise out of that nation, but not with its power. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise, having fierce features, who understands sinister schemes. Yeah. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He shall destroy fearfully, and shall prosper pros, prosper and thrive. He shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. Through his cunning he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule, and he shall exalt himself in his heart, and he shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the prince of, of princes, but he shall be broken without human means. And the vision of the evening and of the evenings and the mornings, which was told is true. Therefore, seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. Afterward, afterward, I arose and went before the king, went about the king's business. I apologize. I was astonished by the vision, but not one understood it. But no one understood it. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is, there's a lot in here. Mm-hmm. And... As we begin to unpack it, I'm going to open the floor up to you guys first to, to share 
what the Holy Spirit's ministering to you, and to ask any questions that you may have. All right. I found it interesting, um, the similarities to King Belshazzar's. What was written on the wall was talking about how his kingdom was going to be split between the Medes and the Persians. I just found it interesting that before this happened, Daniel already knew what was going to happen and how he was confident. I wouldn't say he was like glad that was going to happen, but he already knew the answer because of what the Lord had shown him in his visions. And the Lord has shown me that he doesn't give you this. Not always does he give you the stuff right at the moment, but sometimes he gives to you in advance. So that way when you come to that place, you need it. But there's other cases where he gives it to you right on the moment so you don't have time, I'd say, to start doubting and thinking about it. Like what Jesus was talking to his disciples, telling them not to think about what they're going to say before they go, but say what the Lord tells them to say in that moment. So I just found that interesting. Okay. Sharing. Yes. Layla? Yes. Um, I just found it interesting in verse 25, like at the very end of it, where it said, He, as in Jesus, shall, well, not him, the Antichrist shall even rise against the Prince of Princes, but he shall be broken without human means. I looked down at the bottom of my Bible and it said, He shall be broken without human hands. And that kind of reminded me with Nebuchadnezzar's statue back mm-hmm. in chapter 2, um, verse 45. It says, Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. I found it interesting that it, it seems similar in wording, and it just keeps popping up. The stone being broken without hands, mm-hmm. and it, it's breaking apart all these other great metals. And previously mentioned, if you look at it, stone isn't necessarily as strong as iron. The properties, elemental properties, they're, they're not the greatest, I'd say, like that, even in their purest forms. But it's the stone without hands. How that's possible, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. It's clearly referring to the Lord. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... As you look at this, we have to acknowledge the only way that this is brought to an end is by the Lord and His doing. Mm-hmm. All right, if you look at a nation, any nation, it's not about the people protesting and creating havoc or right, any of this other stuff. It is literally by the Lord that will cause the end to this. Only. So we, Hmm. as believers, Christians, those in the faith, have to put our hope, our faith, our trust in the Lord. Fully, completely. Yes, we have roles to play. We have parts to play. But, and and I'll say in this way, well, yes, there are physical things manifesting and happening in the natural The battle is spiritual, and that battle belongs to the Lord. Right? Yes, we have a role and a part to play, which is to do what the Lord's instructing us to do, saying what he says to say, and trusting him for the outcome. You see this countless times throughout the book of Daniel. And even look at this 
this explanation that's given, right? Daniel is being instructed by Gabriel on the meaning of this and what's going to happen and take place. But if, as you, you pointed out, well, I'll say it in this way, the Lord has been revealing this to Daniel his whole life. That was the, the beginning of, the, of Daniel, of the dream in chapter 2. He gave the dream to Nebuchadnezzar, but was giving the dream and its interpretation to Daniel. So we, we have spoken this week about being steadfast, remaining, right? Not growing weary in the things that the Lord is teaching us and showing us. I mean, this is, well, again, we had to hit the rewind button a little bit because it was Nebuchadnezzar, and then after Nebuchadnezzar had, had gone and his kingdom passed, it was transferred to his son, Belshazzar, who is in power at this time, right, in chapter 8. So that's however many years that had passed, that's considerable, right? So so Daniel is older, wiser, because he's filled with the wisdom of the Lord and still doesn't have the full understanding, even though all this time has passed, on what the Lord is saying and speaking to him about this, these dreams. But you see, it's re- revolving around the same topic over and over and over. Now, as the Lord reveals more and more things, his understanding is growing. But also why? Because he has set his heart to know and to understand what the Lord is speaking to him about, which is an example for all of us. Anyone have anything they want to add? Or any questions on any of that? Why do you think here at the end of 7 and 8, we both see where the these events um, made Daniel physically ill? And even where he mentions um, it was beyond understanding. Um, if you go into the root word of that, one of the translations that is stupefy, which I love that word, it's a cool word. <laughs> you know, you know um, but mm-hmm. you know... Um, here yet he was shown what it means, yet it, it it appears that there's a component of this that is still beyond understanding. That's not not the the fullness of it all was not brought forth to him. Mm-hmm. He still feels like part of it's unclear. But but both times, uh two years earlier and even now, um he finds himself physically sick as a result of going through this. I'm not sure how to process that. The as I consider what you're you're talking about, Dean, you know, I have two things, right? There's the Apostle John, a disciple, and later an apostle who who the Lord, you know, through spoke and gave the letters to the churches and, and the book of Revelation, right? So John was physically at a place in heaven, right, and being ministered to and seeing the Lord and right who he'd walked with and all these things are revealed to him. And you see even in that there's a lack of understanding in some things, right? The, the, the angel or person that is walking through with him, right, through 
show, uh, showing and revealing all these other things, which if you look at the beginning of Revelation, it's the Lord speaking to him, who he also walked with, right, <laughs> during the Lord's time of ministry on earth. So he knows who he is. He bows down and, and worships this this other person, right, and he, and who then corrects him. I said, no, 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 get up. I'm just like you. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is someone who knew and walked with the Lord, right? In the flesh, because you know, John had not yet been translated, glorified, all these other things. So uh, I don't think, like, in the flesh you just can't fully comprehend some things. The Apostle Paul is the same same thing, right? He says, um, now trying to be, you know, humble and, and modest, and, and by trying to be, he was. Uh, he says, uh, I know a person was called up to the third heaven, and right, and starts describing some of what was seen but even in there, he says, things too glorious for me to even be able to articulate, right? He tries to describe some of what was seen in the streets and in everything that's, right? But they're, he's trying to relate it in terms that we could understand, right? That mm-hmm. uh, colors and, and all these things that he saw, experienced, but yet is really unable to articulate in the fullness of, of what was experienced. And I think that's kind of the same thing that's going on here. Only nothing's not still seeing great and marvelous things, but he's not in heaven. He's not called up to heaven in this, right? He's being shown, well, desolation and destruction and, and, and rampant evil running through the face of the earth. Right, and this is this is a person that has set clearly, as we've read thus far in Daniel, someone who's set their entire life and every aspect of their being to know the Lord fully. Right, that's his desire. That is, is and everything, and not to, to defile himself, but to be blameless. Right, being perfect because the Lord is perfect, being righteous and holy and without spot, wrinkle, or blemish in any area and aspect of their life. You see that from the very beginning of Daniel. And he's not showing these, like, I'll say great and glorious things like heaven or, you know what I mean? But he's shown things that that are going to, like, evil things that will take place in the earth. And then, yes, he's also given the, now the Lord's gonna, going to intervene and, and and bring about his his judgment or restoration, right? He's still going to purify and sanctify his people. There's going to be restoration for his remnant. But these are, are hard things, if you will. And um, so it's just, as I look at this and as I consider some things in the Word, that those things stand out to me um, in, in light in, of what you're saying and discussing. Oh, like you were saying, Dad, I agree. Um, when Mr. Dean asked his question, I was reminded of how Moses wanted to see the Lord and he hit him in the cleft of the rock. Mm-hmm. In, in that instance, it was a good thing he saw the Lord, but the human body is not can't fathom everything that God shows us. It comes, it's a dirt body, it's weak. So it can't comprehend the gloriousness, even the destructive nature of certain things. It can't comprehend those things without having an effect. And I, when I look at this, I see that Daniel was troubled and, I know for myself, like, if something bothers me, I feel ill. And, like, I can feel it in my chest. It's like a pressure in my chest, or I get a headache. 
but it's the body trying to work through things that it's not it normally doesn't have to handle and i know you can speak to experience mommy that when the lord gives you visions at times sometimes it's not always rainbows and gumdrops it's that not always pleasant yes to the body and it's just coming to the understanding and i think there's a little bit of wrestling in daniel with what the lord was saying he had the assurance that the lord was going to handle and take care of it but no person of god wants to see all this destructive nature and corrupt and will be like oh yeah that's okay even if the lord is assuring you that it's all going to be okay you're still like well what can we do to stop it uh is there a way that we can deter this or just the question of why yes and even jesus jesus and he was the son of god even when he was in the garden of gethsemane he was sweating great drops of blood and he has as believers we see that god had a jesus had a special exception because he was god in the flesh but his dirt body was still weak he still had to overcome it and his spirit his spirit was strong mm-hmm. but his body wasn't and he couldn't possibly comprehend everything the lord was saying and i don't think jesus and his spirit was sweating blood but his body was and it was trying to process and overcome the human nature and elements that the lord put in there to preserve us perhaps there's a component there you know as we think um if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray mm-hmm. Right. That's that's when we get the restoration of our land. But what are we being restored from? So many times as we read through Kings and Chronicles, we have these stories of where the temple is being rebuilt or it's being opened again where it's been shut. And the priest finds the book of the law and they read it and the king tears his robes and um, they're just mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh, I'm devastated. They put on sackcloth and heap ashes on their head. They go into mourning. Um, I think for me, it's. Uh, if I'm honest, the question I have to ask myself is why am I not repulsed by more of what's going on around me and how much have I accepted mm. of the unholy and allowed in my own life and not bothered by that I should be bothered by that would lead me to be more humbled and on my knees and praying for myself and our country? Mm. That's, a, that's a great question and profound statement there, brother. And, and it applies to all of us, absolutely. <clears throat> Amen. You know, um, in addition to that, I've, you know, there is there is that side of it. Is I've, I agree with you absolutely, Dean. Um, and there's also heart. There are just hard concepts in the Lord. There are just things mm-hmm. that just are because they are. And as much as you would love to, you cannot hold it in the palm of your hand and go, "Aha! <laughs> now I've got it." You know what I mean? Now I've got you. And it's. Like you said, Kyle, it's beyond what we fathom. Like if we stretch to the outer rims of our thought of possibility versus impossibility, as much as we might not like to admit it, you don't go, go very far. You know what I mean? Like that, that's a short distance for what our, our capacity is as a human being, especially in, in a, a body that has not, in a spirit, in a soul that has not been yielded to the Holy Spirit um, in the way of, understanding God or, you know, like being able to encompass everything that he is. But for us as believers, when, especially when we do know he's a good God, when he says hard things, we're like, but wait, it's a bitter, 
Fill a swallow. And it's not that he's not a good God. It's just he is truth all the way around. He is righteous all the way around. He's holy all the way around. And, you know, we like to compartmentalize, put some in this. You know, we can give you a little bit of in this box. We can put some over there and distribute it different ways. But when God shows his majesty and all that he is, it's it's a lot. And then also when we see, you know, there is a, when we look at Genesis chapter one, we see in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we see in the earth was, was without form and void. Those two verses are two different things. There is an in the beginning that was original creation. God does and we know that God is a purposeful God. So the earth being found without form and void is actually described as unreality. When you look at um, the the words, the Hebrew words there, it's, mm-hmm. it's called unreality, which meaning what God did was a real thing, mm-hmm. and it's out of joint with that. So this is outside of reality. And then we you know we see Adam and creation happen again, and Adam is created, and man in the form that we see him in now comes into existence. But there was life before then, and so the concept that there are bigger things going on than what you know of is hard for us to conceive at times. And the physical body has to come along that journey. And, you know, I could see Daniel being grieved over what he saw and the natural process of that, like you said, Kyla, or um, Dean, it making you physically feel those like symptoms of it, maybe some dry heaves. You know, maybe some just laying in the bed going, God, why? What is this? So, absolutely. What else did anybody get out of this? I like verse 15, if nobody else had anything. Um, Mm -hmm. It says, when it happened... Then it happened when I, Daniel, had seen the vision and was seeking the meaning that suddenly there stood before me one having the appearance of man. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it ministered to me because Daniel, I can see in what he's doing that he is trusting in the character of God. Um, if we look back at Daniel chapter 1, when the... Him, he and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made their um, made their commitment to not be defiled before the Lord. Um, let's see. In verse seventeen, it says, "As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill, and all literature and wisdom. Sorry, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams." So God had started a pattern of um, ministering to him. And when he gave him a dream or there was a dream to be interpreted, God gave him the vision. I mean, the interpretation of it. When there was a, a dream or a vision, God gave him the interpretation. And sometimes when we have things going on in our life, uh, we kind of touched on this before, being weary, you get discouraged. But God tells us and wants us to remember what he's done for us in the past. And you can... Um, you can take from this the confidence or the endurance that Daniel has that God did it before, he'll do it again. 
Um, Psalms 37 says this, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So Daniel has to look at God's pattern of faithfulness in his own life. Yes, he's been shown all these things, and it's like, wow, that's a lot. But even to get the interpretation to go with the dream um, that he had or the vision that he had, he had to trust that God was going to provide that as well because it didn't come all in one one fell swoop. It was a, a separate phase. And we don't necessarily have an account of how long it then actually is. Then it happened. We don't know how long that took. But if it was beyond him waking up or coming out of that vision, he still had to endure and trust in the faithfulness that God had already demonstrated to him throughout his life and displayed in this is something that you said, God, this is something that you will follow up with and whatever time frame seems good to you, you know, to the Lord. And God sends Gabriel to make him understand the vision. And um, also, verse 23, it says, In the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise. And we saw that um, tr- that word transgression came up again in the earlier parts of chapter 8, saying because of transgression, an army was given over to the horn. So it tells us that there's a measurement. There are things, you know, we, we talked about God doesn't prematurely judge, and there is an, a, a certain amount of grace that's allotted to us all. Right? And you either continue to let that grace build and, and work on your behalf, or you begin to cut it down and you frustrate the grace of God. You remove his grace and remove yourself from his grace. And then things have an opportunity to come in. That In this case, they're negative things. So I think that's just an interesting concept to understand as we were looking at times and seasons and also how God, how God manages things. He doesn't judge prematurely. And he is good to all. He gives everybody the opportunity. What you do with that opportunity is entirely up to you. But, excuse me. Who else has something I want to share? I just want to jump in that um, where you were talking about, um, my version has, in the latter part of the reign when rebels have become completely wicked. And so I think it's sometimes we hear uh, rebellion and rebels and things in Christendom, and we don't dig in a little bit deeper to that. They become labels instead of a full depth of what that is. Mm -hmm. And so one of the other words for that is revolt. Mm -hmm. And not in revolting, but in a full rejection of the authority that is there to say we don't want that and we want to overthrow that authority. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about people who have purposed in their heart to not only say, I don't want to be part of God's authority, but I want to overturn his authority, actually to self-rule, but mm-hmm. ultimately that. So this is a a clear 
rejection of God, not to the point where I don't even want to be part of it anymore, but I want him as an authority um, to be overthrown and right. not exist anymore. Right. This is who we're talking about. Absolutely. And we know that comes from one place, right? Humans sometimes think, and you know, you'll hear me make that reference of humanity and, you know, versus what God thinks. But we often think, well, it's either I have, I'm independent in my thought and I'm coming up with this without realizing, right? It, and they think they're pitting, they themselves are pitting themselves against God, but that you're not an independent structure being at this point. Either you're submitted to God or now you're submitted and made yourself available to the enemy. If your thoughts are not in line with what God said, that's coming from the wicked one. That's not in the flesh that has been now made available. Sin nature, where did that come from? Sin nature came in, found an open door through Adam's disobedience in the garden, right? Yes. yes. Where did that come from? Satan. Okay. So keeping that in line and, and recognizing that you're not, you're not just coming up with these ideas. If it's against God, it's antichrist. It's the spirit of the antichrist. You know, that that's pretty simple, mm-hmm. but if they try to, if people try to separate themselves from that understanding, there is a prince of the power of the air. There is a wicked spirits, you know, in heavenly places. There's a spirit of the Antichrist. You can make it real specific and try to itemize it, or you could just roll it all into it's from the adversary, the wicked one, and address it as such. But when somebody puts themselves in opposition to God, it's not their own free this is what I am thinking, and I generated this thought independently. It's coming from somewhere, and it's not coming from the Spirit of God. Just staying in that thought, it's we hear people, especially in culture, in um, they they want to open the door, like, well, why can't I do this? What's the harm, right? Mm. Um, let me live my life, I'll let you live yours. But if you walk that all the way out, it is always going to be a full rebellion. I want to depose God mm-hmm. from his throne. And um, if it were such that you could um, separate yourself from your from his kingdom mm-hmm. and exist in another one, um, I guess maybe that would be a different story, but you can't, mm-hmm. right? Because this is his kingdom, this this is his. Mm-hmm. So to say that I want to rule in this realm on earth or in the heavens or whatever, mm-hmm. it's still within his kingdom. And the only way to fully walk that out is to depose him as king. The and, earth and, is the Lord's and everything therein. Right, but they have ev- everything. everything. So there's no way... Right, it's 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 mm-hmm. the 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 old joke, which is kind of funny, but you know, it talks about the scientists get together and come before God and say, "God, we don't need you anymore. We can now create man." And God said, "Well, that's awesome. Let me see you do it." So they start to gather some dirt, and God <laughs> says, "Hold on a second. Get your own dirt." Right. <laughs> I created that. So uh, as in the Lord, yes. Right. Speak years into existence. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Right. So exactly. until we can do that, we we are saying that we want to overthrow God, mm. and so. Any any rebellion, any thought against that, any thought against his word that how I'm going to decide how I'm going to live apart from him is rebellion that leads to a revolution to depose God from the throne. Mm-hmm. 
And, of course, Satan is doing it because he wants to be set up as the, the king there yep. and cares nothing about the, the subjects that are doing that. He just wants them to give up their power so he can use their power to depose God, which will has, never happen. That's right. He has none of his own. Right. He has to use our power. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to read um, Isaiah 14, verse 12 to us, just to get a little you know, background picture of what you were talking about, Dean. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the far, farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. I'll just stop right there. Um, and that same language was used in the Tower of Babel. We're going to build this. We will do. We mm-hmm. and we'll so send, yes. Mm-hmm. And make a name for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. In the heads. Exactly. So how how is it that this is so common amongst these people? Was it was it because of their own independent isolated thought or did it come from the enemy the evil one mm-hmm. absolutely and the same thought this he tried to overthrow god and is a failure in that did not will not not gonna happen you know what i mean but um for those people that are thinking in that mindset oh i just want to i want to make my own choices because i'm going to do this in my life i'm going the language is the same because the author of that is the same. And then if you just go ahead and flip to the back of the book, flip right on over to Revelation, <laughs> you can see how that's going to work out, you know, and it's, it's actually described in such great detail that it doesn't leave much room for question as to whether or not it's going to happen. It wasn't just one sentence. There's, there's detail of where, when, how, <laughs> And why? <laughs> God, he made that very clear and very known. So just, just the logical being would go, okay, well, sounds like God is already, even though he's still letting things play out because he's just that good and he's not, a, he's not insecure or, you know what I mean, he's not moved mm-hmm. by doing things in a just way. He's going to let it work itself out. He's working it out. I mean, he's letting it play out. Um it's still going to be exactly what he said. So even if you were just a logical scientist, get on the side of what God has already said, because he's already laid it out so specifically, the conclusion of the matter. Mm-hmm. I'm switching gears here slightly. Um, I want to bring this up because I feel it's important. Mm-hmm. How did the Lord communicate this to Daniel? Through a vision? The interpretation came through. Came through a vision, right? What does it say in verse 18? Well, he was sleeping. With his face to the ground? Mm. Sleeping with his face to the ground. Now, wait a second. Then what does it say in verse 27? And I, Daniel, fainted. And he fainted. There, it is mentioned, a very distinguishable difference. Now, 
we, we discuss the word. And as we pointed out in, in this discussion, there are hard things about the word. Now, there's also been, not here so much, but discussions of people going down in the spirit or what others have maybe phrased or articulated in such a way as being slain in the spirit. But if we look, this is exactly what happens with Daniel in this moment. And why does that happen? And you brought up verse 15. 15 and 16 says, And suddenly there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. But then what is that, the one with the appearance of a man's state? He gives direction to Gabriel. Gabriel is one of, uh, he gives his bona fides, right? And he says, I'm Gabriel. I stand, or sit, whatever, in the presence of the Lord. So it makes it very clear who this one and the appearance of a man is. And we've already read about this, right? Nebuchadnezzar saw one in the fire as having the appearance, yes, of uh, God Almighty. It's not phrasing that exact thing I'm paraphrasing, but it's the same thing. So we see here, as there are many that, that don't believe in uh, people going down in the Spirit, or being slain in the spirit, however way you want to phrase that. But this isn't a one-time thing. We had already brought up the Apostle John being taken up into to heaven and given the vision about Revelation. And how does that begin? It's in Revelation one seventeen. It says, When I saw him, that is the Lord, I fell at his feet like a dead man. But he placed his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid, I'm the first and the last, the living one. I was dead, and behold, now I'm alive forever and ever. Right, so the same thing. Fell on his feet like a dead man. You see it in Exodus, in dealing with Abraham. Uh, oh, sorry, excuse me. He says he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Exodus 3, 6. Moses had his face. He was afraid to look at God. And you see it in, in other places as well. Ezekiel, Ezekiel one twenty eight. He's given, again, a vision. And he's shown, you know, all these great beings in the heavens. And then in verse 28, it says, The appearance of the brilliant light all around him, that is the Lord, was like that of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day. This was the appearance of of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell face down and heard a voice speaking. Daniel sees it. Right? Like there are there are others. You see this this pattern, if you will. And the Lord shows up, right? Which also goes to scripture, every knee will bow. All these people that sought the Lord and to know him were immediately brought down like a dead person. The Bible itself, as we were just pointing out, discusses this very thing, right? We're seeing examples given, and not just one or two here and there, 
but throughout the, the span, the entirety of the word. In the Old Testament as well as the New. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. These things happen. And, and then they're also given answers and shown vision and, and interpretation and meaning. When people go have gone down in the Spirit, they always come up, the ones that are truly down in the Spirit, not ones that fake or pretend, or right? But when it truly happens, you they all have a similar um, testimony that the Lord was about something the Lord was ministering to them or dealing with them or working with them on. So we see this pattern here, and I think it's important to bring this up because it goes to how the, the nature and the character of the Lord, but also how he speaks with us. And the answer is, he speaks to us in any way he chooses. We have to be open, ready, willing to, to hear from the Lord mm-hmm. in whatever manner he chooses. Mm-hmm. Does, does everybody understand that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because it's important. What if Daniel wasn't open to this? He would have missed out. But also, like I said, the fact that in verse 27, the distinguishing difference is made from he fell down, right? Like in a deep sleep. But then over there he fainted in verse 27. There is a difference. There's always a difference when the Lord's involved and when the Lord isn't. One off of the Lord and his sovereignty and omnipotence and omniscience and every aspect and character attribute of the Lord and then out of the flesh. And also notice the outcome. Very different. Daniel was strengthened and stood up and the message was revealed. But there in the flesh, he was sick for days when he fainted. Or went down from fleshly means. This is always a very different outcome. So again, we should be able to recognize and distinguish the difference when the Lord's involved and when He is not. Any questions on any of that? Because a lot. I know it's a it's a hard topic to discuss, but it's also has been for for many a hard topic to receive or to understand. But we should not be without understanding about the things of the Lord. You know, if for us, for the believers, let our perspective and our confidence be that we're safe in the hands of the Lord. Amen. We are safe in God's hands. There's no peril. There's no harm to us in his hands. Didn't say it wouldn't hurt. But I said, those, there's no harm. Okay? Yes. So you're yeah. safe in his hands and trust him. Mm-hmm. You lose nothing by trusting the Lord. There's only to gain. Anybody have anything else they want to add or comment on? No. All right. Well, let's pause there for today. So if I get a volunteer to close out in prayer, it would be wonderful. I will. All right, LaCharles.
Lord, I just thank you for your understanding of the end, Lord, and how you make known what you have planned to to all your people, Lord, so that way we can be ready for when you come, Lord. Lord, I also just thank you for how you move in our lives, Lord, even though we don't have to actively see it, Lord, that you continue to move in our lives to help bless us and to make it an easier journey, Lord, and make it where we can go through it in your strength, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Dean, thank you again, brother, for joining us. We are are blessed and appreciative. Thankful, Lord, for you. and honored to have you with us. And for everyone else that's listening, we love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.